Hi, I'm Kelsey, a mental health professional and outdoor enthusiast obsessed with helping stuck individuals live more authentically, heal their mental health, and play outside more. I'm a Midwest gal who grabbed a 60-liter backpack, laced up her hiking boots, and turned a quarter-life crisis into a quarter-life comeback. I teach you evidence-based ways to overcome the beliefs and behaviors that are holding you back. Not one for small talk, psychology, spirituality, and honest conversations about both the triumphs and tragedies of life are all topics you can expect on this show. So grab your headphones, get some fresh air, and prepare to ponder deep. Rooted in curiosity, resilience, and abundance, this is Evergreen Thinking. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to talk through the therapy experience with you. I want to tell you generally what you can expect to happen from the moment that you reach out to inquire about meeting with a therapist all the way to the end when you are no longer seeing them anymore. I hope that this gives you an idea of what to expect if maybe you're new to the idea of therapy or maybe if you are a bit nervous about trying therapy. I hope that this maybe clears up some questions for you uh, and demystifies the process a little bit. So let's imagine that you scheduled your first therapy appointment and you want to know what comes next. I will say that the process can vary a little bit based on different factors. So, you know, each therapist has a different style, different philosophy. They might have a different uh, specific modality that they're using, and some modalities can be more regimented than others. Um, This can also depend on what issues have brought you to therapy. So, you know, if you are getting help for something like uh, a bipolar disorder versus uh, grief. The therapy experience can look a little bit different there. Um, And then also your therapist's personality and the way that they choose to interact with clients can vary this a little bit too. But I want to give you a general idea and this is going to be based upon how I do things. So Um, I'm going to tell you what questions I ask on my intake form, how long therapy could take, what happens if you regress after making some progress, and even like what you would be paying for beyond the 50 minutes that we are together. So let's kind of start with like the pre-client stage. So let's say that you sent an email to a therapist or you reached out to them through a portal like Psychology Today or maybe you filled out an info form on their website and uh, you said, hey, I would like some support. Here's a little bit about me. Um, Please let me know. Then the therapist is going to just double check a couple things to ensure that you would be a good fit. So for me, for example, I want to make sure that you're not presenting any issues that I, I don't see people with. So for example, if you're like, hey, I need an addictions counselor, that's not me. 
Um, and I would refer you to someone who is uh, a qualified addictions counselor. Same thing for eating disorders. If you are actively experiencing an eating disorder, I would not be the best fit to help you. Um, or if you are looking for couples counseling or family counseling, I just work with individuals. Or if uh, you were a kid or a teenager, I also would refer you out. I just work with adults uh, as individuals. So that would be something I'm initially looking for. I also would be double checking that you can handle my pricing and there's no shame there, but I just want to be realistic. Can you afford to meet with me regularly? Um, are you able to pay out of pocket? I don't accept insurance. So that would be another kind of a uh, potential disqualifier. But again, I would refer you to someone who could be a better fit. And then I also just double check your scheduling needs. Um, I almost always have a wait list for evening appointments. So if you needed an evening, I would kind of see how immediate your need was, uh, what that would look like. Um, or let's say you just wanted to meet with someone like once a month. Starting out, I would want to meet with you more often than once a month. And so if you needed to meet uh, that spread out, I wouldn't be the best fit for you. Um, we could always work towards that once you become more in like a maintenance stage, but starting out so that we can really build a relationship and get some momentum going. Um, I wouldn't be okay with just meeting once a month. So those are some things that if you didn't already tell me that information, I would be double checking those things just to make sure that we really would be a good fit. Uh, some therapists at this stage offer a free like 15-minute phone call consultation. I don't advertise this. Um, it's not something I regularly do, but if someone asks me for that, I, I will accommodate that. Um, but my info form on my website tends to uh, give you and me all of the answers that we need. Um and I also just do a lot of marketing. I have a pretty strong online presence. And so people typically know if we would be a good fit or not. And then we would schedule your intake appointment. So the intake or your very first appointment, um, I would get that scheduled. And um, I would give you access to a client online portal. And this is where you would fill out your paperwork. And all of this would be due... Uh, prior to our first session. That's how I do it at least. This includes um, something referring to the Senate Bill 82. Basically, this is me giving you a good faith estimate of like, if you were to meet with me for six months, once a week at this rate, this is about how much money you would be spending. And then also just a really clear breakdown of any other potential fees. So like if for some reason I needed to do a write-up for you for a court case or something, how much extra I would charge for that service. Um, my uh, cancellation fee policies, all of those things. You also would sign an informed consent. This is where I describe confidentiality, the limitations of therapy, uh, HIPAA policies, 
You're also gonna fill out a payment authorization form. You're gonna give me your credit card information right up front so that even if you don't show up, I still have a way to charge you. Um, you are going to fill out a client history questionnaire, which I'll talk more about in a minute. You're gonna give me your emergency contacts, your general private information, so like your address, your pronouns, um, your gender, your uh, marital status, uh, all those good things. And then um, I typically have three assessments that I give everyone. This might vary a little bit based off of what you're presenting, but almost everyone I meet with um, is going to take these three assessments. One is called the ACE, which is the Adverse Childhood Experience Questionnaire. Um, research shows that if someone has experienced a number of specific experiences in their childhood, that can just be a helpful indicator of one, their trauma background, and two, um, their predispositions for other mental health concerns. So um, it, it's just a helpful assessment for me to give. Um, it's a really quick one. And then there is a PHQ-9 and the GAD-7. PHQ-9 is um, a depression assessment, and then the GAD-7 is a generalized anxiety assessment. I give both of these to almost everyone because these are some of the more prevalent um, mental health conditions that I see. Um, and so it's just helpful for me to know right off the bat if this is something that you may or may not be presenting with um, and gives me also just like a, a baseline view of some of the symptoms that you may or may not be experiencing. Then we will have our intake appointment. So uh, in this very first appointment, we will be building rapport. So just starting off our relationship, getting to know each other. Uh, I personally like to save a little bit of room for you to get to know me and to ask me any questions. Uh, I always really enjoy it when someone asks me like how I got into this field or why I got into this field or sometimes people will ask me further questions about my uh, philosophy or my modalities that I use um, or they just you know want to know like are you from here originally or have you ever had any other jobs different things like that. Um, so we just get to know each other and then we will um, review your client history questionnaire or your assessments. Um, I will ask you quite a few questions and follow-up questions based off of what information you've already provided me with. Honestly, I am really thorough with my intakes because I have just found that it helps me to provide you with more efficient care, more specialized care moving forward. Um, and just more, it's just a more efficient way, in my opinion, to get things done because I can just learn as much as possible about you up front. And then we can really start using that information right out the gate at your next appointment. This helps me build a really strong conceptualization, which I'll explain in a little bit too. Um, in that intake appointment, I'm also going to make sure that you understand all of the paperwork that you signed and my policies. Uh, I will give special attention to confidentiality, so what are the limitations 
to that, which typically is if there's a moment where I am ever concerned about your safety or someone else's safety, then we may need to inform other parties. So I talk about what specifically that looks like and how I navigate that too. So like for me, I never do anything behind someone's back. If I'm concerned about you, you would know. Um, and we would walk through that process together. So we go over confidentiality. What does it look like if you were to run into me at the grocery store or um, at a, a triathlon event or something? How would we navigate that social interaction? Um, I clarify payment policies, late policies, rescheduling, cancellation, all those things. I also would give you access to an app that I use. Um, it's called PMD. It is a HIPAA compliant secure text messaging app. So that is just one way that my clients are able to contact me outside of sessions in a secure way. If they're having issues getting in the building, they're running late. Maybe they had a new insight in between appointments and they want to remember to talk about it next time, things like that. So I get you set up on that portal. And then I would give you a tour of the building, where the bathrooms are, make sure that you uh, didn't have any issues parking, all those things. So let's talk about some examples of intake questions. Um, like I said, I'm very thorough and I do this in the paperwork and then I also follow up with it in the intake session. Some therapists don't do as much in the paperwork stage and they do it all in person. Uh, some people, they do a lot in paperwork and only land on a couple things in person. It, it varies, but I wanted to give you an idea of what kind of questions either an intake questionnaire could have or an intake appointment could have. So. Um, just to give you some ideas. I, I don't share all this to be overwhelming, but just if you really want to know, here's what you could be prepared for. So one of the questions, why are you seeking help now? What is happening or is different? What stressors do you have? What do you hope will be different by seeking help? That kind of thing. Please give me more details about the issue you named above. When did it start? How often does it happen? How does it affect your life? How have you dealt with it so far? Have you ever experienced similar or other mental health symptoms before? If so, what was your experience like? When did it happen? Did you get help? Has anyone in your family ever experienced mental health or substance use issues? If so, who was it? Did they seek help or get a diagnosis? What was it like for them? What was it like for you? Do you have any current or prior medical issues? If so, what was or is it? Have you seen a doctor or other provider for it? What recommendations or treatment did you have? Is there any family history of disease? Are you currently prescribed any medications? If so, please list the name, dosage, how often you take it, and the prescriber. Do you now or have you ever used alcohol, tobacco, recreational drugs, or prescription meds other than as prescribed? If so, which ones? When did you start? How often did you or do you use? How long did this occur? Please list each substance separately. Um, let me interrupt here and say a lot of people are afraid to answer this question. This is confidential. This is not something that I have to report. Now, depending on what's going on, we might need to refer you to someone else or loop someone in. Um, but generally, like if you smoke marijuana every night before bed, you can write this on here. I'm not going to 
report you to the police. Um, this is your medical information. Okay, continuing on. Who is in your family? What is your relationship with them like? List people who you consider to be a part of your family. Um, for those who are not a part of your family of origin, such as significant others, please include the duration of those relationships. What social activities and relationships do you engage in? What important social relationships do you have? Do you belong to any social clubs or organizations? How do you like to spend your leisure time? What spiritual practices and cultural influences are important to you? Do you belong to a religious, faith, or spiritual community? What other cultural groups do you identify with? How do you celebrate culture and spirituality in your life? What was life like as you were growing up, both at home and in school? Did you meet developmental milestones on time or experience any delays? What were your friends like when you were younger? What was school like for you? What significant educational and work or volunteer experiences have you had? What is the highest level of education you've completed? Are you currently employed? If so, where and for how long? What other work and educational experiences have you had, such as stay-at-home parenting or a semester abroad? Are you satisfied with your current employment and education? Do you have any current or prior legal issues? Were you ever arrested or charged with a crime or misdemeanor? Do you have any involvement with the civil courts, such as a lawsuit or family law matter? If so, please describe them. I'll also pause here. Some people are afraid to answer this question. This is not used to discriminate against you. Um, part of it is for me to know, are you court mandated to attend therapy? Because if so, there's other things on my part that I need to do. Um, it also just helps me to know if there are any things that I need to be looking out for or if there are things that I need to do to ensure that I feel safe working with you. So it's not that I wouldn't work with you, but just things that I would maybe want to be mindful of or that I might need to be mindful of on behalf of my other clients. So, um, what strengths and abilities are you bringing to sessions? What needs or preferences do you have that will help us be successful? So this is like, what coping skills have you been working, have you been using or have been working for you so far? What is important to know that will help make our time more effective for you? So if you have any preferences or things. And then, um, just a general, what else is important to know about you, please? And then I also ask, let me know if you'd like to do outdoor therapy sessions or not. So you may, may or may not know this about me, but I do offer hiking and walking sessions outdoors. Some people, that is specifically why they choose to work with me. And some people, that was interesting, but they have no interest in actually doing that. So it helps me to just kind of know um, for logistical purposes as well. So that was a mouthful, but I think that that just gives you an idea of how thorough I am. Now, I don't want that to discourage you from signing up for therapy because you get to choose how thoroughly you actually fill out that paperwork. Um, and not every therapist is quite as thorough, I will say. But uh, to me, that is a really good practice to have. Um, but I do hope it gives you an idea of like the kind of things therapists are asking. This is not on the paperwork, but I also may ask in person have you experienced anything that you would consider to be traumatic? Um, or I might follow up on things that you maybe filled out in the ACEs questionnaire. Um, I also am careful to ask if you are having any suicidal ideation, thoughts about suicide, or thoughts about self-harm or harming others. I'll also ask things like um, if you ex ever experience um, like 
hallucinations or delusions and things like that. Um, if you listed that you have a specific mental health condition already, I might ask specific questions about that experience as well. So it all kind of depends, but that gives you a general idea. So that was your intake appointment. Whew, it was a lot. A lot of times people are exhausted when they leave an intake and I tell them a lot of times I am too. <laughs> it can be, it can be a lot, but it is hopefully a very solid foundation building stage. Then we will make sure that you're scheduled for your next sessions. I usually do this even before the intake. I tend to prefer to set up recurring appointments. I've just found that that works best for me and for most of my clients. But we'll just double check that their schedule squared away. And then we will uh, just plan on meeting for our next session. So then I will take quite a bit of notes, do some research, do some compiling and figure out a diagnostic impression if that's necessary. So again, I don't give diagnoses, but I can make a diagnostic impression, which is essentially, this is not a formal diagnosis, but I believe this person meets, may meet the criteria for such and such diagnosis. If that's necessary, I will do that. Um, and whether you have a diagnosis or not, I will develop a conceptualization. So you shared with me what you're experiencing. And then based off of my theoretical orientation and research, I come up with a why you might be experiencing such things. Um, sometimes this is really solid right out the gate. And other times it's kind of a preliminary um, and things will solidify as we continue working together. Um, and then I will share this conceptualization with you. So in your first, it might be like your next appointment or within the next couple of appointments, I'll kind of share with you, this is what I see is going on. And this is my suspicion of why this is going on. Um, I'll see how you feel about that, what you think about that. And then that why, that conceptualization really informs my treatment plan. So every client that I work with has a treatment plan. For some people, this is a lot more specific and involved. For other people, it might be a little bit more broad. Um, I share the treatment plan with my clients. Uh, you have a right to know what our course of action is. Some clients want a really detailed explanation. They want to sit down next to me and look at the treatment plan. Others are okay with just having a big overview. Some people really don't care. They just want to feel better. <laughs> um, in this stage, I will also kind of assess like if I need to recommend you to a primary care physician or uh, like a medication provider, so like a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner or something of that nature, um, either for a consult or let's say you already have meds and you're maybe not compliant with them or they maybe aren't helping. Um, with the primary care physician, this isn't always about medication, but it could just be about certain symptoms that you're experiencing. So like if you are experiencing panic attacks or if you are having like headaches, just for two examples, I want to recommend you to a physician to just ensure that your brain is okay, that your heart is okay, that your respiratory system is okay. Um, we want to make sure that there's not a, a 
a medical or like physiological explanation for the mental health issues that you're experiencing. Um, we just want to check all of our boxes. So sometimes there will be a recommendation of that. Sometimes not. It really depends on what you are presenting with um, and what you've done so far. And then um, we just, we get started. And this can really vary, these regular sessions. Um, I will say, um, generally what you're going to experience in a regular counseling session is something between processing, developing insight and awareness. It could include some more specific psychoeducation. You could be um, learning skills. Um, or just processing other things as they come up. Um, in my regular sessions, especially in the beginning, we're going to be continuing to build rapport and building our relationship. That's really important. Um, and like I said, some sessions are more structured and others are kind of go with the flow. Almost all of my clients get a psychoeducation lesson within their first two or three sessions. So this might be me teaching you about your brain or your nervous system, diving into something like polyvagal theory, talking about the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system responses, etc. Um, or it might be education about how um, your issues could have developed, um, me educating about different forms of treatment and how those forms of treatment work. I want to empower my clients with knowledge about their experiences, but also about the techniques that I'm using. Um, there's no secrets here. Um, from there, some sessions are quote unquote, just talking, but it's never just talking. Everything has intention behind it. We might be gaining insight, making meaning of things, challenging cognitive distortions, analyzing your behaviors and the functions of those behaviors working on skills like communication skills, boundaries, how to recognize healthier and unhealthy relationship dynamics, how to actually regulate your nervous system, how to cope with certain symptoms. I usually come into a session with a game plan, but I always allow flexibility if something different comes up or if you have a different need. At the beginning of a session, I might ask, what would you like to focus our time on today? Or is there something that you would like me to add to our agenda today? It's a very collaborative process. And then along the way, we are checking in with your progress. I might be assigning you some homework. We might be adjusting the plan as needed. We might adjust your diagnostic impression as if different things come up and we get clarity on that, um, which would then adjust the conceptualization and the treatment plan. And this doesn't mean that we would be starting over from scratch, um, but it could just be adjusting things moving forward. Um, we might redo some assessments and reassess things if needed. Um, I'm checking in to see how the pro how the therapy process is feeling for you, how it's going for you, if it's what you expected it to be, if there's something different that you would like to be happening, um, and then we're just monitoring specific progress. Sometimes the sessions are more client-led, other times they're more clinician-led, but it's always collaborative, and we loop in other providers if we need to. And then along the way, we might titrate down or titrate up our frequency of meeting. Um, it really depends. So let's say you started out meeting with me every week, 
and then in time you want to move to every other week and then in time we move you to monthly if you're more in like a maintenance stage then you might move to as needed um, which then you know you might reach out every couple months if you want to do a check-in or get some clarity on something um, and then you might move towards termination so let's talk about what happens during termination so this is um, your last session um, we might do some sort of progress activities so kind of discuss and reflect and celebrate the progress that you've made we'll discuss what it looks like to end and change our relationship for people who I see for longer periods of time we start talking about termination many sessions before the actual last session so that I can warm you up to the idea that, hey, I'm not going to be a part of your regular life anymore and I, I want our relationship to end on good terms. So we talk through that. Um, we also plan for the future. So, hey, you've made some progress. How do we ensure that you keep that progress if you start to notice regression how do you respond to that what kind of things can you put into place there um, or if we are transferring your care to someone else we talk through that transition and that plan how to know when it's time to terminate uh, this can really depend usually it's client-led you have come to a place where you're like you know what i don't think i need to meet with you anymore um, and we celebrate that. Maybe you, you clearly met your goals. You are not experiencing symptoms anymore and you haven't been for a while. I will say sometimes clients ghost. That happens. Maybe they're not comfortable with ending a relationship. Maybe they're dissatisfied with something in the process but are not comfortable with expressing that. Um, it's more rare. I'll say when I was younger, I ghosted a fair amount of therapists. It's not ideal, but it does happen. Maybe a client uh, is moving out of state in a state that I'm not licensed to see them in. So that could be a reason for terminating. Um, or maybe you're, you're not financially able to uh, do therapy anymore. If that's the case and you still really need support, I try to work with you or I try to help you uh, find another provider who is maybe more in your range. So we, we work through those things uh, as appropriate. Or sometimes a ter termination is more clinician-led. So maybe you are not compliant to therapy. You're not um, following through and you haven't been following through for a long time on um, the steps that are necessary for your growth. Maybe you um, have really spotty attendance, you cancel frequently, you don't show up. I don't have much tolerance for that. Um, it just shows that you're not ready to do this work, and that's okay, but I, I can't waste the time or resources on that when I have a line of people who are eager and ready to show up. Um, or if you have consistently not been paying. Um, and again, payment is something that I'm willing to work with people on, but there's got to be communication about it and there's got to be um, a consistency in behavior there. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's it's clinician-led. Um, I would never ghost a client. Uh, there would be clear communication all along the way and a termination session where we talk about it. Um, and 
clients in good standing are always welcome to come back in the future. Uh, let's say you're in a good place. You terminate. Things are great. A year later, something big happens in your life and you need to come back. You're always welcome to come back. Um, I make that really clear to my clients. Research shows that um, we can expect about 10 sessions really lead to some of the most growth in therapy. After 10, people often shift into a maintenance phase. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule. It definitely varies depending on what's going on, depending on the client and um, and different things, but that's kind of what we see in research. So that's just something you can kind of have in mind. Two of the most critical factors with success in therapy, um, it's not the modality, it's not the experience of the provider, although those things can make a difference. Um, it's actually client buy-in. So do you believe in therapy? Do you want to do therapy? Are you here because you want to be? And uh, the counselor-client relationship. Do you feel safe with your therapist? Do you like your therapist? Not like, like you might not always like what your therapist says to you. And it's not about that. But like, do you respect them? Do you enjoy generally being around them? Do you trust them? Do you feel safe with them? Those are the two most critical factors. Some clients come in right away and they feel a strong connection right away. And other clients do take some time to warm up. So I would say be patient if you're not like super gung-ho about your therapist yet. Um, I mean, definitely listen to your gut, but give it some time, see how that rapport builds, how that relationship builds. But I will acknowledge like, I'm not the best fit for everyone. My personality doesn't jive with everyone. Um, I'm really direct. I'm gentle, but I'm direct. I don't spoon feed or handhold. Um, I think of it this way. I like to give a hand up to people, but I don't give hands out to people. There's a difference between a hand out and a hand up. Um, you know, if someone gives you a handout, it's pretty easy to just kind of go along with things. If someone gives you a hand up, you have to put your foot on that next step, use your quad to push yourself up and utilize the hand that they gave you. I work with folks who want to see progress. I work with folks who want to do the work to get better. Um, and some people that's the stage they're in and some people it's not. I feel like for me, you know right away if I'm a good fit or not. I use a lot of silence for some people. That's uncomfy, but it doesn't mean we're a bad fit. It maybe means your tolerance for silence could be bolstered a little bit. I don't give advice, um, but instead I allow you to find your own advice. And some people don't like this, um, but yeah, we, we figure it out. We see if we would be a good fit or not. And then let's talk about aftercare. So after termination has happened, like I said, if you need to return, that happens. There's no shame there. Um, or maybe there is a transfer of care. So ensure that a good handoff was made, that you understand where our relationship ends and where your new relationship with your other provider begins. Maybe you are no longer seeing another provider, but you are now attending like a peer-led support group in your community or something. Um, that's cool too. Um, and then things are, are kind of done there. 
some people see a therapist for many years. Some people see a therapist for a couple months. Um, it all really depends. I know that's like an annoying answer, but it really does. And then I also wanted to just give you a little bit of insight about what happens behind the scenes really quick. So you would be meeting with me for 50 minutes. That's how long an appointment usually is. But you're paying for more than just 50 minutes. Um, I make notes about you and your progress every single time we meet. I review those notes before we meet again. I do research often about your issue or the things that you're experiencing. I might have to brush up on certain techniques or modalities that I'm using with you. I might be sending you encouragement or homework or resources outside of session and compiling those things for you. Um, I'm doing continuing education, oftentimes about the specific issues that I tend to treat. Um, I am billing you. I am coordinating your care, scheduling, all of those things. So um, that's what kind of happens behind the scenes. I might consult with another provider about you, whether it's one of your providers or me getting support from another professional who's more experienced than me and asking them what would they would do in a certain situation. Um, so lots goes on behind the scenes there too. But that is a overview of what happens generally in the therapeutic process. It's not magic. Um, a lot of it is science. A lot of it is intuitive. Um, and I'm biased, but I think it's really cool. I think it's really powerful. And personally, I think it's usually pretty fun too and very rewarding for both you and me, the client and the clinician. I hope this was helpful if you have been on the fence about trying therapy. I hope it just gives you some clarity of what goes on. Um, this episode might be really helpful to send to a loved one in your life who is maybe nervous about trying therapy because they don't exactly know what to expect. Um, maybe this would be helpful. And yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have any questions about anything that I shared or further questions about what happens in therapy, definitely uh, feel free to reach out to me um, and let me know. I'd be happy to answer your questions. Thank you so much for listening to the Evergreen Thinking Podcast. To get further connected with me or take your exploration to the next level, visit the show notes at evergreenthinkingpod.com or find me on Instagram at evergreenthinkingpod.